Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Vibrant Church, let me hear from you. Are you excited to be here this Sunday morning? Man, it's a great day. You made it out of the house um, how, do you, how many of y'all hit the snooze button a few times this morning? I was that guy. I hit the snooze just a few times. I got here just a little bit later, but I am glad that you are here. It's going to be a great day in the house of God. Those of you that don't know me, if you're this is your first time guest or you're new to Vibrant, my name is Michael and my wife Carmen and I, who was on the keyboard today, um, I, we have the tremendous honor of serving this church as lead pastor. And uh, we are honored to serve you and your family. And we're so thankful that you chose to be here today. A um, few things that I want to remind you about, they talked about in the news, but family movie night tonight at six o'clock, uh, six o'clock tonight. Anybody going to be your family movie night? Yeah, it's going to be good. Anybody want to sing some Frozen music? Anybody want to do that? We'll do like Frozen karaoke after it. And uh, so uh, I'm going to sit that one out. So I only know Let It Go. Does anybody know any song but Let It Go? Oh, there, there are other songs? It's the un- I don't know what you're saying to me right now. I don't, you're acting like I've watched the movie or something. I don't, I don't know. No, no, dear God, no, that's, that's why we're having family movie night, so I can watch the movie. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, and we're going to have a great time tonight. Bring your kids. Um, it, it, I'm just going to tell you, that, so there's no like check-in for kids ministry tonight. It's just going to be, hey, we come, there's popcorn, there's Cokes, and uh, we're, everybody's going to come in their worship center. We might even move some of these chairs out of the way. It's very, very informal. This is just like, imagine this as a big living room, okay? This is what it's going to be tonight. We're going to hang out. There are going to be kids everywhere. Uh, it's going to be just a big family living room time, okay? It's going to be great. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, this month, in our series called Questions, we let you pick the subjects, uh, which is kind of scary for a pastor, right? <laughs> it's kind of scary sometimes for a pastor, but this is like when you were a kid, uh, like pre-Spotify. Some of y'all don't know about this, okay? So like pre-Spotify, when you would call into the radio station and you would hope for your song to be played, right? And then you would go and you would listen to the radio for like five hours and you put a tape in there to hope maybe that they recorded you asking for the song to be played and maybe they would like say, this is for Michael at, at a Shreveport. Like there wasn't 400,000 other Michaels in Shreveport. And, and hey, don't judge me. Don't take away my dream right now, okay? Um, that's what we had to deal with as kids. So y'all are like, he's old. Like, that's what they're thinking. That's exactly. Whatever, man. Get, enjoy your Spotify. I do too. Uh, actually, I just use Brady's Spotify, but it's okay too. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, last week, we talked about God's purpose for your life. We talked about God's purpose. Did y'all enjoy that? God's purpose for your life. What is God's purpose? And it's really about three questions. Uh, it, I won't rehash the whole message. You can go back and listen to the podcast as well as the YouTube feed for that. But it's about three questions. Number one, who's uh, we are and who are, are who we are and what do we need to do? Okay, so who's we are? who we are, and what do we need to do. Those three questions, you answer those three questions, you discover God's purpose for your life. And, and so many of the questions that we, des- that we received in the text message uh, thread and social media about this particular series was this, and this was the second most uh, text in subject, 
in this particular series, but it was how do I deal with trouble in life? How do I deal with trouble but still stay on fire for God? How do I deal with like life's worst circumstances and still have a strong relationship with God? You know, the things like, you know, job loss, unexpected job loss and and divorce and maybe a, a death in the family or terrible moments in life. How do I navigate those and still have a strong relationship with God? What, how do I do that? So today I want to talk to you about surviving life's worst moments and breaking, living in a life of breakthrough in the middle of those moments. Does anybody want that? I, I want that when I go through life's uh, worst moments. But there's a three-word principle in life, and um, I know those of you that are um, very optimistic about everything um, are going to be really mad at me right now, but there are three words that are very, very true, and these three words is, it's always something, right? It's always something. And, and, and in fact, I face this pretty much, you know, sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small. I face this like every Saturday night, okay? Every Saturday night, there is something that is going to break in my house that requires my attention or something that's going to, some sort of technology that's going to break down that needs my attention on Saturday night that could not have been done on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or even Saturday morning. Come on, somebody, you understand what I'm talking about right now? Like last night, my, I got my kids in bed and everything's great and I get my clothes and, and, and then our iPads that do all of our check-in stopped functioning. We have all the iPads in the house, they just stopped functioning. So I had to, I had to reboot all these iPads, get them set up. We had, I mean, I had to go back from the beginning and reboot all of the iPads. I was so frustrated. I finally finished at like 10 o'clock last night. I was like, can I just go to sleep? Because it's technically 11 o'clock and I'm really tired, right? <laughs> and uh, so... I totally, I understand that. But here's the deal is when you have a bad moment in your life and when you have rough moments, you are going to have to make some decisions, right? You're going to have to make some decisions and your emotions are going to want to go in one direction. Your emotions are going to want to go in one direction, but your choices have to go in the complete opposite direction. They have to. This is a perspectives message. I'm going to let you know from the beginning, this is a perspectives message. Message, And I want to begin kind of where I normally end, and that's by encouraging you. I want to encourage you. And, and God knows really what's going on with your life, and he knows no matter what the circumstance is or what's currently going on in, in your life or your work or in your relationships, he, he, God is at work. He understands it. God knows what's going on in your life. Can you, say, can you look at your neighbor and tell him God knows? I wish you'd tell your better-looking neighbor a little bit louder. God knows. Hopefully you husbands looked at your wife twice right there, okay? All right? God knows exactly what you're going through. God knows what you're going through, and here's the thing. He's at work in it. He's at work right in the middle of your situation. I want to encourage you and let you know God is at work in the middle of your situation, and here's the, here's the problem. Work is sometimes messy. Ask the construction workers on Rayford, okay? Work is sometimes messy. It is messy. It is tough sometimes. And so, uh, Paul, let me, let me, I'm just going to start out right here, and this is in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. They're going to put it on the screen, but Paul was talking about his troubles here, and this is such a good perspective for us to have. Uh, we're going to read through this together. Check this out. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. So he's telling you right now, hey, bro, everything's not perfect. 
And also what he's telling you is just because you've stepped, you've stepped into the purpose of God doesn't mean your life is always going to be like pom-poms and lollipops. Okay? Just because you've stepped into, the, into your purpose doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. Okay? So you've, he's stepped into his purpose and he's communicating the gospel and he starts telling about the troubles that he had while he was telling about the gospel. He was sharing the gospel. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So we despaired life itself. Paul was suicidal. Right in the middle of his purpose, he was suicidal. In fact, it says, he says right after this, he says, so that we despaired life itself. Indeed, we felt uh, we had received the sentence of death. We felt like life would never get better. We felt like this was the end. It was the end. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Should we play a Kanye song right now? A song God. But on God, who raises, who raises the dead. But here's, here's the deal. Here's what I want you to get to right here, right here. He has delivered us. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And on him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on the behalf of, your, of the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. I want you to don't miss this, okay? If you write down anything or remember anything from this message, this is it right here. It's three small statements, okay? It's he has... He will, and he will continue. He has. He has come through for you in the past. Has he come through for you? He's come through for me. I'm just telling you. He has come. He will in the, he will. Right now, he will, and he will continue. He has. He will. He will continue. And here's the deal. That's why you need church is because you need to be reminded of that. Because if you go through some stuff in your life and you go home and you sit and you soak and you think about it, you won't think about he, he has, he will, he will continue. You'll think about, God, where are you? I'm in peril. I don't feel like I can make it. I've got stuff and I've got issues and I don't see my hope. But you've got to start speaking to yourself, he has. Review. You've got to have a little bit of a list, you list takers. You've got to have a list of what God has done for you. You've got to remind yourself he will right now where I'm at and he will continue where I'm going. See, the truth is, is you're either going into trouble, you're in the middle of trouble, or you're coming out of trouble. Now, some of you might be saying, Pastor Michael, why don't you be a little positive? Well, I came to church so you'd help me. Well, I'm positive that you're either going into trouble, in the middle of trouble, or coming out of trouble. It's just the truth. It is just, it, it, it's the truth. But the, the problem is, the, the why in us dealing with trouble is because our world is broken. And it was broken not by us, right? We just happen to be recipients of it. But sin, sickness, economy, our, our you know, health crisis. Why doesn't God do anything about it? Why, why doesn't God do anything about it? He did. He robed himself in flesh and came and died on a cross for us. And he had the ultimate exit plan. He's putting the ultimate exit plan together for us 
his people called heaven, and that should be our ultimate goal. Come on, that's where I want to get to ultimate. The, the days, yeah, that, that's worth clapping about. I want to get to heaven. There was a pastor, uh, there is a pastor, a very well-known pastor that if I told you his name, you would, you would know it, but there was a pastor that went through something just ultimate, just probably the worst that you could ever go through in your life, and and um, I don't mind telling you a little bit about it, but and you can research it. But his son, uh, this per- this particular pastor's son, um, out of the blue, he struggled with mental health and and depression, and he he committed suicide. This pastor, and you can only imagine what this pastor went through in his life right there. Just the the pain, the felt like God had left him, felt like you know life was over, felt like all of these emotions. And, and so this particular pastor continued to serve and continued to preach while he was uh, recovering from this, while he was going to counseling and while he was going through grief. And, and I, doing research, I came and I came across this and I found six particular stages in which um, when you go through life in trouble, uh, that you go through these particular stages, right? Every one of us, we go through these stages. And, and you might see yourself as we go through these six, you're gonna find yourself in one of these stages. And it doesn't matter really how large or how small your trouble might be. It might be as small as uh, you have a scuffle with somebody at your job, or it might be as, as, you know, as large as you're losing that job. Or it might be as, as small as your wife and you had had an argument, or it might be as large as if you don't fix it today, you're you might be divorcing. And, and so I, you're going to find yourself in the middle of these, but the main thing I want to challenge you to do is to identify it, okay? Is to identify it and be willing to address it personally, individually with God, okay? Amen. Is anybody willing to take that challenge with me? Willing to take that? So the first place that we, found, we find ourselves in the middle of trouble and uh, in life's worst moments, the first place is shock. Can you say that with me? Say shock. It's saying, it's saying things like this. I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe they're gone. My job, it's gone. I, you know, bankruptcy. I didn't see this coming. It blindsided me. Shock is a human emotion. It's a human emotion. And here's the deal is that nothing surprises God. Shock is not a God emotion. It is simply a human emotion because he is the Alpha Omega and, and the Omega, and he sees the beginning from the end. He sees the end from where you're at right now. But we understand that shock can disorient us. It changes what we see. It changes what we feel. In fact, this morning, uh, normally, uh, Corey, one of our worship leaders, he gets here about 6.30 every Sunday morning, and he turns everything that you see on, uh, every light, every air conditioner, every sound system, everything. And so uh, this weekend, Corey had an opportunity to get out of town, see his family. And so um, I got here, and I, set every, I was setting everything up and turning it on. And if you don't know, I'm going to give you a little bit of behind the scenes. Um, this project, projector right here, we don't have a remote for it, okay? It was gifted to us. So we don't have a remote. So if you haven't noticed, I can't exactly reach that um, without some extracurricular help. And so um, we have a ladder that we bring out. And I, so I was here by myself on the top rung of the ladder and these lights were on and, and I looked up to turn the projector on and I looked down and the light caught me just at the right angle. And I went, whoa, and I almost fell off the ladder. So you, your pastor almost had a broke arm today. It would have been real good. I was still preached. So I had... But 
shock, you know, things going on in our life can disorient us. Just like when I was on top of the ladder, I was disoriented. I couldn't get my balance. I didn't know where I was. And the, the thing is, for me, I had a moment just like this. When I found out I lost my father in, in 2015, I'll never forget where I was. I'll never forget it. I was in the gym of Parkway Life Church setting up a stage for a student ministry. We had just finished playing basketball and, and a trick of the trade in student ministry, you invite them all to play basketball and then get a bunch of work that has to be done afterwards, right? And so that was the trick of the trade. And we had a bunch of work that had to be done. And, and I remember getting a call from a, a police officer saying, hey, we found your dad. He's passed away. And I remember collapsing right in the middle of that gym. It was that shock of nothing else mattered. I was completely disoriented. I couldn't think about anything else other than I had lost my hero. I couldn't think about anything else in my life. And the truth is, is when you're, when you're in shock, it's disorienting. When that happens, you're the last person that you should accept advice from. In fact, one of the central messages in scripture is that two is better than one. Two is better than one. And, and so I found this to be true right there in the middle of my moment when I lost my dad there was a man on staff at the church I was serving at. His name is Brandon Pippen, and he's one of my, my spiritual heroes, and he serves as the associate pastor. But he was, he was working. He was doing other things off campus about 15 minutes away, and word spread very quickly about the news with my dad. And this man is built like an NFL linebacker, okay? He's, he's a fireman by trade, and he works at the church separately. But he's, he's about 6'4", and he's literally, am I telling the truth to us? He's built like a, he's built like a freight train, okay? But this man left what he was doing that was super important to the plant job and came up to the church and found me. And he said, he, he lost his dad many years ago as well. And he, he just came up to me and I was crying and I was, I, was, I was in shock and he just gave me a big hug, put his arms around me, said, it's gonna be okay, Michael. And I just, to be honest with you, I just, I was there and I just hit his back. I just hit, I was like, why, why I miss my dad, why? But that moment right there helped me towards getting through my shock, right? That moment helped me get through my shock. In fact, we find that in the scripture, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good, on, a good return on their labor. If any of them falls down, one can help the other up. One pity anyone who's fall, who falls and has no one to help them. See, this is why we're a church of life groups, this is why we're a church of groups is because I need you and you need me because we're always going to have, some of us are on top of the mountain as life is amazing right now, but there will be a time that life is not amazing and you need people around you. See, it's not, it's not, here's the deal. The emotion naturally tells us, let me get over it. Let me get some time to get over it and just contemplate it and think about it and, and roll through it. And when life falls apart, that's what you want to do. But the thing that you shouldn't do, when life falls apart, you shouldn't run from God. You should run to God and his people because that's the only place you're going to find healing. If not, you'll stay in shock forever. You'll stay in shock. Number two is sorrow. And this is an emotion here that even God has. Many people view crying as a weakness. Crying is not a weakness, even for a man. In fact, the shortest verse in the entire Bible is Jesus wept. It's Jesus wept, and it's in John 11. He had lost his best friend Lazarus, and it hurt him so much that he wept in front of everybody that he was speaking to. And, 
And the Bible says that even Jesus was a man of sorrows. He knew hurt. He knew pain. He knew life's struggle. And that, that is what qualifies him to be your best friend and your God. That is what qualifies him to be your salvation. He experienced everything, every temptation, every problem, every pain that you will ever experience in your life. He experienced it in the 33 years that he was here. Isaiah 53.3 says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He was familiar with your pain. You have pain and you're like, man, I, can't, I just wish somebody would understand. And God's like, yep, I, I, I've been there. I've been there. You lose somebody close to you in your life and you're like, man, I wish somebody would understand. And God's like, yeah, I, I, I got it. I've been there. Job loss and relationships and, and all of these things that you face, God's like, yeah, I've been there. I've experienced. And, and, and I, kind of the deep end of the pool, if, if you want to explain this, it's called the theology of identification. The theology of identification. He has to experience what we would experience so he would qualify to be the one you run to in all of your troubles. And he experienced it all. He experienced the sorrow. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with sorrow. But the problem is when sorrow takes over. The problem is when sorrow takes over. Psalm 61 verses 1 and 2 says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Would anybody just be willing to be honest in this house and raise your hand and say, I've been overwhelmed this week. I've been overwhelmed. Man, look around. Man. When your heart is overwhelmed, look at what he follows with. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You've got to grab onto something that's, that's bigger than you. You've got to grab onto something that's more solid than you when you're going through the pain, when you're going through the trouble. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What that means is when I'm in trouble, I've got to worship. When I'm in trouble, I have to worship. Let me just tell you, I'm going to give you the secret sauce of how I, uh, somebody asked me, how, how do you remain so bubbly? First of all, I'm not bubbly. That's not what a dude wants to be called is bubbly. Okay, don't call me bubbly. Okay, um, that's not a manly adjective. Okay, give me a different one. Okay, but yeah, give me a different one. How, how do you remain joyful? Because you know life is always like this, and believe it or not, life is like this for pastors too, okay? How do I remain joyful? Here's how. Even when I have my rough situations, when I, sit, when I lost my dad, I remember sitting on a plane, and before I had Bluetooth headphones, I had the ones with the really long cord, and, and I would sit on the airplane, and I listened to worship music. It was an eight-hour flight, and I couldn't sleep, and I listened to worship music the entire way. Because this is how I fight my battles. When I'm in trouble, I run to the rock that is higher than I. And when I get there, I lean on and I grab on and I say, God, you are bigger. You are greater. I worship. When, I, when I'm in trouble, I worship. On your darkest days, you've got to worship. Worship has to be your go-to because worship changes everything. If you don't know how to worship, there's no way to live in victory. In fact, we're going to do a sermon series on that based on what you, you just responded because I feel like we need to know how to worship. I feel like we need to know that worship is a core 
value. It's something we can't live without. Worship is bigger than a song. It's bigger than a drum set. It's bigger than a, than a right note or a wrong note. It's a posture of my heart. Can y'all tell I'm passionate about worship? Number three is struggle. It's struggle. Now I'm mad. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at people. And because we always ask this three-letter word, why? Over and over and over. And here's the thing is that many times we ask the question and we will never get the answer. In fact, Jesus asked that question. So it's not wrong to ask the question. We find that in Matthew 27. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me as he was preparing to be crucified? Why, God? Jesus felt abandoned by his own father as he was paying for our sins. Why are we confused by it? Because we can't see the beginning from the end, and he can. God sees the beginning from the end, and he's, on the, he's outside of your situation, and he sees the big picture. You might be going through a problem right now, but he sees the other side of it. I said it last week, but it's still true. God's not worried, so why are you? We, we launched this church with one particular saying going through when we sat in my living room last July understanding that we needed to raise $112,000 for us to be able to launch this church. We didn't know how it was gonna happen. Uh, you know, I, at that time I was working four jobs, you know, and now I'm only working three, praise God. And uh, so uh, we didn't know how it was gonna happen, but we sat in my living room, a group of about 40 of us, and we said, God's got this. God's got this. Those of you that said yes right there, you were probably in the living room with me. And we said, we don't know how, but God's got this. And you know what happened? God's got this. God came through. God came through the entire way. And I just want to encourage you today. I don't know what you're going through, but I want to tell you once again that God's got this. God's got this right in the middle of your turmoil. It's like, hey, it's like your favorite show. You get to the end of it, and there's always this cliffhanger. Is somebody going to, you know, is somebody going to die? Is somebody going to come off this show? Nobody's going to. There's got, they got seven seasons to go, okay? I'm just going to tell you your seasons are not over. God's got this. You just got to step into it. See, we find this that most of the time when Jesus was presented with a problem with his disciples, he didn't give them an earthly solution. He told them something to look forward to, a heavenly answer, right? When there was a problem, he would answer that, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know, there was an old song that maybe you know how it goes. Some glad morning when this life is over. Fly away. Hey, and that's still true. Y'all don't know that song. Y'all need to look that up. I'll fly away. Woo, that's a banger right there. That's a banger. That's a bop. I'm sorry. I, that was last week. My bad. I can't keep up with y'all. It's a bop, okay? But here's the thing. Is it still true? There's going to be a day that there's no more mortgages, praise God. There's going to be a day that there's no more strife that there's no more bitterness, that there's no more envy, there's no more sickness, there's no more deceit, and I can't wait to get to paradise because I'm going to fly away from this mess. I'm going to get away from it. My ultimate retreat is not earthly. My ultimate retreat is not hitting the next show on Netflix. It's one day getting to heaven and meeting face-to-face my, -to -face my maker and my savior, and I can't wait to get there. 
Number four is surrender. This is when you stop fighting the bad day and pontificating on the why. The more you obsess over that, the more depressed you'll become. The way I like to say it is don't be a cow. Why? Because cows go and they eat grass. They chew up the grass. And then they swallow the grass. And then they spit the grass back up. And they chew the thing again. Some of y'all say, yeah, that's gross. That's nasty. That's why when you see a cow, it's always chewing, right? But so many times when we deal with strife, we deal with problems, we, we do it just like a cow. We chew it, and then we put it down, and then something happens, and we bring it back up, and we start chewing it. And here's the deal is every time it comes up, it tastes a little bit worse, right? It tastes a little bit worse. It goes through it just a little bit worse. We can't be a cow. And it begins by a five-letter five word, and that word is trust. Who can you really trust in this life? No one really except for God, okay? Because every, every person is fallible, okay? Trust is the firm belief that someone is completely 100% loyal or reliable. And we find in Proverbs 3 and 6, this is a very familiar course of Scripture here, and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Stop chewing, right? In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Here's the truth, is that trust is the only pathway to peace. Woo-hoo-hoo, that's good. I wish y'all preached with me today. I just wish that spring break hadn't got you down. I just, y'all quit thinking about the beach. I just wish y'all preached with me today. Trust is the pathway to peace. It's the only one. It's the only pathway. If you try any other way, I just, I can't. I can't help but tell you, you're going to be back. You're going to be back in the same spot you were. Trusting God is the only pathway to peace. And some of you are sitting in this room overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. And you can't figure out out why you can't find peace. It's because you haven't surrendered and trusted God with your life and your circumstances. Some of you need to get a little trust in your life. You need to get a little trust in your life. It's literally the, literally the moment. Y'all seen that meme before where it's like, you know, you know that song that Jesus take the wheel and it's that, that, that kid with what the wheel come off his, you know, his big wheel or whatever. It's like, Jesus, not that wheel. You know what I'm talking about? Trust is the moment that you decide I'm going to stop driving. I'm stopping driving the car. I'm going to get in the passenger seat, and I'm okay with God driving. Come on, somebody. I wish you'd be okay with being in the passenger seat today. Number five, sanctification. That's a big word. It's a big word, but this is where your loss becomes a lesson. But there's one thing that I want you to understand going into this is that nothing but good can come from God. Nothing. It's biblical. Pain doesn't come from God, but he can take pain and bad things in your life and teach you something from it. That's the truth. He's actually amazing at it, and he takes the circumstances and uses it to build our character. And we find that uh, in Romans uh, chapter 5, and, and he says, We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with trouble because we know how troubles can develop patient or passionate patience in us and how the, that patience turn, in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. So your problem 
teaches you patience. Your problem leads to your prosperity. Come on, somebody. Feelings won't tell us this. Feelings will not tell us this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, So truly, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This is what this whole scripture, I tried to put this whole scripture in one particular sentence. I'm gonna give it to you right here. You ready? My pain is either a jail cell that imprisons me or a school that shapes me. It's my choice. It's your choice today. You might be, the circumstances you can't change, but your perspective you can change. Right in the middle of it, it is your choice if you're going to be in a jail cell or in the land of victory. It's your choice, absolutely. I got to move on, number six, because our production team is going to start turning my mic off if we don't hurry. <laughs> this, number six is service, and this is where I'm going today. This is the ultimate plan for trouble in your life. This is it. This is the be all, end all. This is why Job went through everything he went through. This is why Noah went through everything he went through. This is why Moses went through. This is literally why every one of your favorite Bible characters went through trouble. Every one of them, okay? God wants to use your mess. We've all heard this before, a mess for a message and a test for a testimony. But it's tough when you're in the middle of the test. It's tough to remember that because it's, it's more than just a fancy alliteration. It's the truth of God's word. And so you might be in the middle of your problem and you think, man, God can't use that. You don't know what I'm dealing with. It may be personal. It may be internal. You may have an addiction that you're dealing with that you haven't revealed to one soul and you're, you're afraid to come out and tell somebody about it. And you're saying, Michael, you don't, you, Pastor Mark, you don't, under, you don't understand. God can't use my mess. I'm telling you right now, God's, God uses the messiest of messes to perform the greatest miracles. If you, want, if you don't believe me, I wish you would go back and look at the story of Saul becoming Paul. I'm going to study personally going through that and just start breaking down every part of Paul's journey. You want to start, I mean, literally, the man was preaching the gospel, okay? After he was converted, was preaching the gospel, and they decided, hey, you can't do that here. We're going to stone you and throw you outside the city gates. They stoned him, thought he was dead, left him there. He woke up, realized he wasn't dead, and walked back into the city and kept preaching. I'm just going to tell you, that's a boss right there. But what you, what you see right there, you don't realize that that was the dude when his name was Saul that was literally killing Christians. He was the guy that we were all scared of. Now, I'm, I'm not inviting that dude to my house, huh? Ain't going to happen. And then I said, no, sorry, <laughs> ain't going to happen, Jack. See, God will use the messiest of problems become, to become the greatest of vessels. We can learn more from messed up people than we can perfect people because there are no perfect people. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles. Brings us through. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort. I love how many times they use comfort because that word Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit is literally a comforter. I love how this is translated. So, uh, so that we, make, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, some of you, over, you raised your hand earlier, you were overwhelmed. This is you right here. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope is for, for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. What is this saying? It's saying that God has literally walked through your suffering with you in the past and he's currently walking through your sufferings with you right now. And he will continue to walk through your sufferings. And when you walk into comfort, what is this saying? It's saying that he has, he will, and he will continue. It doesn't matter what stage you might be in. I'm telling you today, he has, and he will, and he will continue. But you must step into it and realize what God wants to do. Musicians, if you guys can come, please. Will you stand across this room? <clears throat> this little bottle cap is pretty insignificant. This bottle cap is really, I mean, if you tried to sell it, Megan, if I said I'm going to sell you this bottle cap for $100, you going to buy it? No, you're not going to buy it. Y'all got a fourth kid on the way. I don't blame you. I'm just messing. This bottle cap is insignificant. Worth nothing, right? And it's kind of small and relative, right? If you were on the International Space Station and you tried to look down and you would look at this particular bottle cap, you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't be able to see it, right? It's very small and insignificant. And in fact, when I'm holding it, it doesn't even seem like there's much to it. But, when I hold it up to my eye, it becomes really large. In fact, when I hold it up very close to my eye, it gets to the point where I can't see anything else. In fact, I can see the ridges in the side of this bottle cap now. When I hold it up close to my eyes, my perspective, my focus, what I'm looking at and what I'm focusing on changes to the detail in my bottle cap. But when I set the bottle cap on the ground, I probably don't think anything of it rather than it's just something to step on. See, many of you, this, the troubles that you're in right now are just like that bottle cap. When God looks at them, God looks at them like this. There's perspective on the other side of it. It's just part of your journey, something for you to step through and step over. It's not a speed bump. It's not a gate. It's, it's really just the beginning of something else. 
But the truth is, is that many of us take our troubles and our circumstances, and even as major as they might be, we take them and we hold them so close that the only thing that we can focus on, the only thing that we have perspective of is our trouble and not the God who's bigger than our trouble. See, our perspective changes our reality and and in the middle of your trouble, your emotions are going to want to hold your troubles dear when in reality we should put our troubles down and hold the God that's bigger than our troubles dear and instead of our emotions running our lives, we have to make a choice. In fact, I'm gonna give you a few choices that we have to make and we're gonna put this on the screen. Number one, when I'm in the deepest of my troubles and despairs, number one, I choose to run to God and others. Number two, I choose to worship. I choose. You're not gonna feel like it. You're not gonna feel like slipping up your hands. Some of you, the biggest battle you're gonna face today is not your circumstance. It's gonna be lifting your hands and surrendering. I choose to focus on eternity. I choose to put the bottle cap down and realize what I'm going through is really small compared to the 10,000 year view. I choose to trust God. I choose to stop the car and get out of the driver's seat and allow God to get in it. I choose to learn from my problems and I choose to use my pain to help others. I choose it. The truth is, is that I cannot control what happens to me, but with God's help, I can choose my response. Today in this house right now, some of you are going through some of the most troubling times of your life. You're overwhelmed, you're full of stress. You're Right now I'm talking to you and it's rising up inside of you and you might even be getting emotional thinking about it in this moment. Some of you need to make a choice. Some of you came to church for the first time or maybe you're new to this God thing and you've been coming to Vibrant for a few weeks and you're now ready to turn your life over to God. Your emotions are not gonna tell you to do that. Today you have to make a choice and decide to turn your life over to Jesus. In fact, if you're ready to turn your life over to him, I wanna pray a prayer with you, a prayer of surrender, that we would surrender our hearts and our minds, our bodies and our souls to him. Will you bow your heads across the room? Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I realize I'm broken, full of sin, full of shame, full of deceit, anger, and bitterness. Today I repent for my sin, turning away from it, and turning towards you. God, I accept your grace and your mercy on me. I realize you died for me on a cross 2,000 years ago so I would have the opportunity to change my perspective. So I accept your grace and your mercy and I surrender my life to your hands. I give my life to you wholly and full-heartedly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Keep your head bowed.
Right now, if you prayed that prayer maybe for the first time or you rededicated your life to Jesus today, would you let it be known just by lifting your hands across this room? Man, that's amazing. That's amazing. So some of you made a choice right there to turn your life over to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make another choice. You may be going through trouble and turmoil, and you need somebody to join with you in prayer. Right now, your emotions are going to tell you to stay in your seat and sing the song when they sing. Your emotions are going to tell you don't step out. But I want to tell you, we have a prayer team that's all around this room. They have blue lanyards on, and they would love to pray with you. I want to tell you, make a choice. When your emotions are telling you don't step out, right now in the middle of your turmoil, in the middle of your stress, in the middle of your anxiety, step out right now and allow somebody to pray with you and let God to heal, let God heal and transform your situation and your perspective right now in the middle of this. I wanna pray over you and we're gonna sing and I want you to step out and begin stepping towards our prayer team and let us pray and join with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love you, and I'm so thankful for what you're doing in this house. God, there are hurting people that have stepped in here needing a touch from you. God, I pray that you would give them the confidence to step out right now. It may not feel right, but God, I pray that you would give them the courage to step out. It may not feel like the most comfortable thing to do, but God, give them the courage right now in the name of Jesus that they would step out into it because this is how we fight. We fight through our worship and we gather together in Jesus' name.